This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in your podcast app. Hello, my name is Tom Hope, and I'm one of the nuclear medicine physicians here at UCSF. And today I'm going to talk about PSMA PET and its role as functional imaging in prostate cancer. So I think we're all familiar with PSMA by now. This is stands for the prostate-specific membrane antigen. It's a transmembrane protein overexpressed on prostate cancer cells. Now, interestingly enough, it's actually not specific to prostate cancer, right? It's overexpressed in some benign diseases, such as Paget's disease, fibrous dysplasia, other osseous lesions, but also in other cancers, lung cancer, renal cell cancer, glioblastoma, et cetera. But nonetheless, it's very useful for imaging and treating patients with prostate cancer, as we'll talk about in the coming slides. Now, with the advent of PSMA PET, we have many stories like patients like this. This is a 69-year-old man who had a radical prostatectomy. His PSA after surgery was 0.7. And you can see now, we can see very easily and accurately both osseous disease and soft tissue disease. And the goal here, and we're actually finally there, is that PSMA PET has now replaced the combination of CT and bone scan that used to be used. And not only did it get rid of two studies and turn it into one, it is more accurate, faster, and easier to interpret. Now, there's a bunch of molecules out there which are sometimes confusing to patients and also to physicians. I should note that all of the ones that were really being evaluated share the same urea motif, and so these are very similar to one another. And in the bottom left there, you have DCFPYL or Piflufloastat and PSMA11, which in my mind are equivalent and interchangeable for the imaging of patients with prostate cancer. One of the biggest issues with PSMA PET are some of these false positives. And so there's a lot of lesions that will mimic prostate cancer, particularly rib lesions, uh, unilateral or focal rib lesions in patients at initial staging are almost universally benign. Uh, and it took a while for us to really understand this. But when you have a lesion like this, which has sort of peripheral rim sclerosis and focal uptake, we know that this is not prostate cancer. But there are other lesions, such as ganglia, as in this case, which can mimic presacral lymph nodes, and other benign diseases, such as panangiomas and Paget's disease, which can also sometimes look like prostate cancer. Other tumors, such as HCC, thyroid cancer, and in this case, lung cancer, can also have pretty high uptake on PSMA PET. But I think with proper training, we can hopefully convert these, quote, false positive interpretations into true negatives, right? With good training of nuclear medicine physicians, we will hopefully be able to accurately interpret these studies. So this isn't a problem moving forward. But with the recent introduction of this imaging modality, we're still on the learning curve for most nuclear medicine physicians uh, in the United States. Now, in terms of the data, there are some trials to talk about. First are the initial staging studies. There's two major studies done at initial staging. One is the study that was performed at UCLA and UCSF that we used to lead to the approval of PSMA-11. And then there was the OSPREY trial, which evaluated DCF-PYL, or what became PIFLU-FLOLISTAF. These are very similar studies. You can see a very similar number of patients and nearly identical accuracy numbers. Uh, and this really shows us how well we can actually see pelvic lymph nodes. This is compared to surgery at initial staging using PSMA PET. That sensitivity number looks pretty low, right? It's sort of surprising, but that's because we're missing very small sub-centimeter lymph nodes with PSMA PET. When you're comparing to surgery, uh, pathologists can pick out very, very small nodal metastases, which you might otherwise have missed. And this is in patients where, in essence, the conventional imaging was negative, right? So seeing anything is an improvement uh, upon the existing imaging modalities. Now, this imaging at initial staging really does change management. So, for example, if you look at radiation therapy planning, 
seeing these PSMA positive nodes actually change the radiation therapy plans in over 50% of patients. That's actually pretty remarkable. 50% of patients with high risk prostate cancer, the radiation therapy plan was changed based on the results of the PSMA PET. But I think maybe more importantly are patients like this, right? Here's a patient, Gleason 4 plus 3, a high PSA was staged, and you can see their mediastinal disease as well as supraclavicular on the left uh, uptake. That was biopsied and came back prostate cancer. This patient would have undergone a prostatectomy, right, which would have been not clinically useful because he had metastatic disease at the time and undergone other morbid therapies without actually knowing where his disease was if we didn't have a PSMA PET to accurately stage him at his initial presentation. Now, biochemical recurrence is really sort of the workhorse of PSMA PET. And similarly, there's trials of gallium PSMA-11 and DCF-PYL in the biochemical recurrence setting. These are pretty similar, although the way it worked out actually uh, was slightly different. But the positive predictive value or correct localization rate between these two molecules is, again, nearly identical. And you can see the detection rates at different PSA cutoff values are very, very similar, again, highlighting that PSMA-11 and DCF-PYL should be considered equivalent and interchangeable. And this data was then used to gain FDA approval for both of these agents in 2020 and 2021. Now, similarly to initial staging, PSMA-PET is very helpful to localize treat a disease, which will impact radiation therapy planning. So this is a group of 125 patients from UCSF who had a PSA less than two after radical prostatectomy. Over half of those patients had PSMA-positive disease on PSMA-PET, and 30% of the 125 patients had disease that was missed by standard radiation fields that are performed. And so this clearly highlights that we really need to see where that disease is for a radiation oncologist to accurately treat it. If they don't know where the disease is, then they won't be knowing what they're treating, and patients will biochemically recur again after their therapy. Now, one note, and I was really happy about this, is the NCCN guidelines, which are the major guidelines in the United States that dictate how people practice, stated that they do not feel that conventional imaging is necessary prior to a PSMA PET. So for fluciclovine, many insurance companies would require patients to have a negative CT and bone scan prior to approving a fluciclovine PET. NCCN took a much more aggressive approach this time around and said, hey, there's no role in getting a CT scan because the sensitivity specificity is so low. Why would you start with that imaging study? Instead, you should start staging patients with a PSMA PET. And I think this is really important in terms of access and uh, patients. So here's an example of a patient biochemical recurrence, really just highlighting how different CT and PSMA PET is. So this patient was had no evidence of disease on CT scan, so it was M0, bone scan was negative. And you can see on PSMA PET, these very, very small nodes, you know, that's a seven, six millimeter uh, left supraclavicular or left superior mediastinal lymph node, which is markedly avid on a PSMA PET, clearly is metastatic prostate cancer, completely restaging this patient who would otherwise have been and M0, no evidence of metastases uh, when he was being treated for his biochemical recurrence. Now, in terms of how these results impact outcome, this is sort of a story that's still in progress. But the first paper uh, that really came out was the Empire One study. And this actually evaluated fluciclovine versus conventional imaging using both for radiation therapy planning and patients with biochemical recurrence. And in the Empire One study, patients did better at four years if they were staged with fluciclovine compared to conventional imaging with a biochemical free survival rate of 51% versus 76%. 
And this is actually impressive with flucycline, which we know performs less well than PSMA-PEP. It actually also imparts a benefit in terms of patient outcomes. Now, we do know that PSMA-PET itself has major changes in management in over 50% of patients who are imaged with PSMA-PET. If you have no evidence of disease, people tend towards receiving surveillance. If they have nodal disease, they tend towards getting local therapy like radiation therapy. And if they have metastatic disease, they start to be treated with systemic therapy. Now, the role of PSMA PETs currently being evaluated in a trial by Jeremy Calais that's completed enrollment, which is similar to the Empire One study, which is comparing PSMA PET to conventional imaging for radiation therapy planning. And hopefully soon we'll see the results of this trial and see whether or not PSMA PET did in fact improve outcomes compared to conventional imaging. Now, I wanna take a little bit of a sidestep here and talk about PSMA negative tumors. I think PSMA-negative tumors are a little confusing to some people. Uh, in the castration-resistant setting, end-stage after chemotherapy, PSMA-negative disease is a really poor prognosis. But in initial staging, that's a different story. So here you have a patient on MRI. The MR shows restricted diffusion in the prostate with low signal in the ADC. And there's really no uptake on the PSMA-PET associated with that tumor. Now, if you look, as I said, in the MCRPC setting, PSMA-negative disease patients do much worse. So here you can see the outcome of patients who have a very low PSA compared to the patients who have a higher PSA. And those who had, in essence, an FDG PSMA mismatch, i.e. they had FDG-positive disease and PSMA-negative disease, those patients did very poorly compared to the overall population. Now, that's very different from initial staging. Here, this is data from the primary trial, which was looking at the role of PSMA PET in patients in active surveillance. And you can see here that the SUV max correlates with PIRAD score. So the higher the uptake, the higher the PIRAD score. Also, the higher the uptake, the higher the Gleason score. So in essence, lower uptake is actually better at time of initial staging. This is also borne out in looking at patients who receive salad radiation therapy. So if you have biochemical recurrence after definitive therapy and your PSA starts to rise, then if you get a PSMA PET, if you have a negative PSMA PET or local disease only, you do much better than patients who have distant metastases. So the point here is that actually having a negative PSMA PET in this setting is actually a good thing, right? And those findings were independent of the PSA at time of imaging. Right? So whether or not your PSA was below 0.5 or greater than 0.5, you still had a marked benefit over patients who had disease outside of the prostate fossa. Right? So PSMA PET itself is actually much more prognostic than the PSA. And having no evidence of metastases at time of biochemical occurrence portends a much better outcome for the individual patient. I think that's important because a lot of patients fret that they don't have metastases. They don't, can't see something if they want to target it. But you actually want a negative PSMA PET because those patients would do better. Now, one other thing I want to talk about is we always talk about stage migration. You do a PSMA PET and you see more disease, right? And so patients are being migrated. Like I showed you a couple of patients who have M0 disease, now have M1 or metastatic. And this is an interesting uh, observation. So, for example, there was the Stampede trial. And this trial here looked at the role of prostate bed radiotherapy in patients who were uh, had metastatic disease. And what they showed is that if you had low burden metastatic disease, radiation therapy to the prostate bed was beneficial for patients. So patients lived longer if you had low volume metastatic disease. And this was based on bone scan, three or fewer bone metastases. Now here's three patients with positive bone schemes, right? A rib lesion, a skull lesion, and a spine lesion. 
all of them negative on a PSMA PET, right? So actually a PSMA PET, particularly in low volume disease on bone scan will actually downstage many patients, maybe 20% of patients who were previously thought to be metastatic, right? And the benefit probably in salvage radiotherapy in that setting is actually treating localized disease that's misclassified as metastatic disease. So just remember that it's not always an upward stage migration, but sometimes actually is a downstaging of patients uh, based on the results of a PSMA PET. The last thing I wanna talk about is metastatic castration resistant or M0 castration resistant uh, prostate cancer. So these are patients who have conventional imaging negative disease, uh, but have a positive PSA in the castration resistance setting. This was studied extensively, and Dr. Small led a lot of the uh, trials here, the Spartan trial, evaluating apalutamide. There's also enzalutamide and darolutamide that were evaluated in the non-metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer setting. If you do PSMA PETs in these patients, in essence, all of them have disease. They're obviously not surprising. There is no such thing as M0 CRPC. 98% of patients who were M0 CRPC had a positive PSMA PET. I think what was interesting is 40% of those patients had oligometastatic disease or unifocal disease, which might be able to be treated with SBRT, targeted radiation therapy, which isn't commonly used in the CRPC setting. This is being evaluated by the PILLAR trial, which Rahul Agarwal is a principal investigator on, comparing apalutamide to apalutamide plus SBRT. So in summary, there are now actually five approved new drug applications for PSMA PET. Four of them are PSMA 11, one at UCSF and UCLA. And the whole goal of us being generic was that other companies would get approvals. And actually since our approvals, two different companies have created kits for PSMA 11, and now it's more widely available in the United States. And then there's a new drug application for DCF-PYL or Pifluflolistat, which is a fluorinated agent also used widely in the United States. PSMA PET impacts the management of 50% of men image for biochemical recurrence. It really changes the management of patients. And the most common change is for planning for radiation therapy. It's really the radiation oncologists who are most impacted by the results of a PSMA PET. And then lastly, remember, a negative PSMA PET is not actually a, a bad thing in a patient with biochemical recurrence. You want a negative PSMA PET because those patients will do better after treatment uh, if there is no evidence of metastatic disease. Thanks. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.